Well, good morning, Central family. Um, my name is Chris Ferraro, and I just thought uh, this morning I'll share a little dad joke with you to get you started before I introduce further off who I am. So here's a little dad joke. I'm a dad, actually, of three myself, so I'm qualified to uh, weigh in on a topic. So here's my dad joke for you. There was a person who sent 10 different puns to his friends, with the hope, of course, that at least one of the puns would make them laugh. No pun in 10 did. Nothing? No, all right. Well, I tried, okay? I tried to loosen you up a little bit. Well, as I said before, my name is Chris Ferraro. I'm one of the faithful here that attends Central Christian Church, and I'm blessed today to be able to pinch hit for uh, Pastor Tim. So uh, let's dive in this morning. What I really wanted to do this morning is discuss a topic near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure near and dear to a lot of our hearts, and that's the topic of hope. Uh, And in particular, I want to start off just discussing this idea of hopelessness. No doubt all of us have faced down situations where we feel like we have lost all hope that a circumstance in our life will change. Maybe this morning you're in the middle of a debilitating trial. Maybe that constant back pain just won't go away. Your job and your boss, they're just they're so overwhelming and you just don't believe that you'll see a change. You don't really see a way out of this depression and anxiety that you're feeling. You feel so out of sorts. You're out of luck, and you're definitely out of hope. Well, I can tell you, I, I really understand that. I've had many times in my life where I faced down what seemed to me an impossible circumstance, one that overwhelmed my emotions, overwhelmed my mind, one that caused me great stress, both physically and mentally, and even spiritually. In these moments, we just want answers. We just want to know that we matter, that things for us will turn out Okay, in the end, but you know what? It feels like all hope is lost. For me, just about a year ago, actually, I lost my job due to COVID. For the first time in almost 20 years, I was jobless. I remember getting that phone call. Uh, I was actually on the way to an appointment with one of my salespeople. And the call was from my then H, uh, my boss in the HR department. And it was like this 10-minute long phone conversation that felt like it was forever. Honestly, I I really can't remember a lot of what was said during that thing because that was just clouded. They sounded like the teacher from Charlie Brown, you know, and I didn't really know what was happening. All I knew was I needed to turn around and head back home. I merely thought of what I was going to tell my wife, Sarah. How was this going to affect our kids? How are we going to make up this income? I mean, could Sarah pick up extra shifts at the hospital? And if she could, how's that going to affect our marriage? How long would my unemployment actually last? I mean, should I change careers? Is it time for that? We're going to have enough money to feed the kids? What if I get a hole in my socks? Like, can I actually replace that? Like, I know some of those thoughts are silly, but the reality is all of those thoughts hit me at that moment. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. The next few days really were like a whirlwind for me of emotions. There was a lot of phone calls from family and friends. Some job offers uh, came through as well. I started to feel some peace of knowing really that, that I mattered, that people loved me and they cared for me. I could feel a little bit of hope being restored, but there was a key element that wasn't quite yet in place. I hadn't spent much time yet talking to the Lord. That's a critical piece. And that process turned out uh, not to be just a quick fix. Of course, I wanted it to be a quick fix, but it, it simply wasn't going to be that way. And God often takes time with you and even with me, right, responding a little bit slower because his ultimate purpose is not going to be rushed. 
And as the weeks went on and job offers turned sour and some of them just weren't the right fit for me, um, I really realized that the hope that I had early on was beginning to fade. But what started to return was my faith in God. I was so confident that as the weeks turned into two months that my fear went away. My faith was restored and my hopelessness turned in to hope. Now, I was let go in July of 2020 and in September 1st, 2020, I started my new job. In the midst of this whirlwind of emotions at the time and my life circumstances, our God delivered. So have any of you ever felt that type of hopelessness that I just described? Maybe you're here this morning and you're sitting watching this and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm actually right in that place right now. My life circumstances, all hope is lost. And can we all admit there's some pretty scary things happening right now in our world? I mean, obviously the the obvious one is, is the COVID pandemic that continues. The issues that may arise from us pulling out of Afghanistan as a military. The wildfires that have swept across California the last few years. Those have been rough on a lot of people. The instability in our financial markets and, 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 and what's going to happen as inflation rises. What's going to happen to our economy? And even still, for us Californians at least, the looming threat of this next big earthquake that the experts tell us is long, long overdue. Now, all of these things are enough, certainly, to leave you feeling hopeless that things will change, um, and you might even be a little bit in fear of the future. Now, would you agree with me on this, that without hope, life doesn't feel like it's worth living? Now, of course, then the opposite would have to be true, if you agree with that, that with hope, life has great significance and great meaning. So if you're hopeless this morning, let me tell you there's a way to restore that feeling of hope in your life. I want to help provide a way to turn the tides in your battle against hopelessness because it's an extremely dangerous place to exist in, hopelessness. I think as one of my favorite Christian philosophers, J.P. Moreland says, he says, hopelessness is leukemia of the spirit. And leukemia is a cancer that attacks your blood. It's the very source of our physical life. And hopelessness attacks our spirits, which are the very source of our life in Christ. There's been a lot of mention already this morning of the word hope, so I I think it's really important that we stop and define what hope is. So hope defined biblically is an attitude of confidently looking forward to what is good and beneficial. Take a look at that. It's an attitude, right? I love it that we could even say maybe it's a mindset of confidently and surely looking forward to or expecting what is good. As we begin this morning, just for a moment of reflection, I just, I'd ask you, think about those challenging life circumstances you're facing right now, because we are all facing something, no doubt. What are those things you need hope restored to? Just close your eyes for a second. As you're sitting there, just close your eyes and, and, and call out in your mind, call out in your heart. What is that circumstance that you need to surrender over to God? As we begin this morning, go ahead and surrender it over to God and let's dive in to some scriptures here. The first scripture I want you to see is how hope springs into action. If you have your Bibles with you, of course, flip over to those uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Romans. So let's get into uh, to Romans there. I want to particularly focus on verses 18 through 21 this morning. Here's how the text reads. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. 
Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but check this out, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. All right, point of takeaway. Hope is described here by something that was strengthened by faith. Hope is described as something that was strengthened by faith. Those two play an important role together. So let's turn a few chapters up. Romans 15 and verse 13. Let's get another little scripture here this morning. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That phrase, as you trust in him, is basically the same thing as faith. So in this sense, faith produces hope. So I think as we journey on this morning, I want to use an acronym, um, the word HOPE. Let's use this as an acronym to help us journey to find um, this place of confidence that we can have overcoming hopelessness and the circumstances in our life. So the first letter, of course, in HOPE is H. <laughs> and we're, this message is brought to you by the letter H. Um, H is the word I want to use for hearing. Okay? How can hearing affect your hope? It's simple, really. What sorts of things are you listening to that may be obliterating your hope? For example, what sorts of music do you listen to? What kind of television programs or movies are you watching? Do you watch the local news nightly? I mean, depending on the information that we intake, it can have a dramatic effect on our outlook of life and our circumstances. The stuff coming in from our media is largely negative and combative, and truly it's really not helpful for filling us with a sense of hope. So maybe we need to ask the question, though, just in a little bit of a different way. Here's what I want to ask. What truth are you hearing? Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. But are you, or who are you, listening to? Are you listening to that truth? Are you ascribing to the very truth that comes from Jesus Christ? Or are you listening to the so-called truths that come from all angles in your life? Just scroll a little bit on social media, if you will, and you'll see all kinds of people claiming to heal you and cure you of all kinds of stuff. And the cure to your loneliness, right? The cure to your singleness, maybe your weight loss. And so on and so on go these things. And I mean, if all these people were right, then why in the world are so many people living with this sense of hopelessness? None of these things that we hear can truly help us because eventually we will still find ourselves ascribing to the world things it was not intended for. The world cannot save us. But you know who can? The churchy answer, of course, but it's always the answer is Jesus Christ. See, he's the truth maker. He's the truth teller, and he can. So where do we hear this truth of Jesus? Well, right in the word of God. It is such a powerful tool, the Bible, to filter the claims of the world through. The author of Hebrews, I think, said it best when he wrote this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What better weapon, what better weapon to determine the truth in our lives than the very word of God? There is no better weapon. So if this powerful tool is available to us to be utilized to combat our hopelessness, then how do we use it? Well, like I say, most practically, the way to use it, of course, is making it a daily habit. Reflecting on it, studying it, 
Now, I find for myself the morning time is most effective because before I start to do anything else, I'm typically pretty free of distractions in the morning. It's a little quiet in the house, right? And I could be more consistent with this devotional time. For the past four years, I've actually been journeying with a group of men um, through the Bible together. Uh, We've actually gone through once a year through the Bible. And I can just tell you, watching the life changes and the experiences, the, the trials they've gone through and shared very intimately, I'm just telling you, these guys are taking bold steps um, and powerful steps in their faith with Jesus Christ. And that's all because we're spending time actively in the word. You know, Pastor Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, who was actually born in San Jose, I learned while uh, researching this. It's pretty cool. He's born in San Jose, San Jose native. In his curriculum for Celebrate Recovery, he's got these principles. And his seventh principle basically says this. He says, it's important you reserve daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. So this can help what we're hearing, what truth we're taking in. But if you don't like to read, well, what do you do? <laughs> well, luckily, we have a lot of cool technology out there. Just take your Bible app. And matter of fact, that can actually read back to you the scriptures. So while you're cooking your food, taking a drive in your car, maybe you're sitting in your favorite chair or whatnot, uh, you're taking a walk around the block, let God's word play as you go. Now, if you're looking for a little more depth of understanding, you're like, hey, look, I'm, I'm past the beginning stage of just getting the word. I want a little more depth. And I just want to suggest you to use a study Bible or even some commentaries, which are written to help you understand a little bit deeper um, what the scriptures are all about. I actually use the um, ESV study Bible myself, um, but please test out different things that, and find out what fits for you. The critical piece is, of course, that you do it. Because what I can promise you is if you don't do it, your life circumstances won't change. But if you start to do it, your, your faith will begin to be rekindled and you're going to be on the road to restoring your hope. So our first step was, of course, overcoming hopelessness uh, was that we need to be hearing the truth. And the second step of hope is observing. Now, observing can be used in multiple ways, but here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to think of observing in the sense of kind of the way you, uh, you observe a holiday or a family tradition, okay? This also can serve maybe as a way to memorialize your life, particularly Recalling the times when God showed up in a major way for you. I want to give you a biblical backing on this concept, okay? So let's turn to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, to find an example of this concept of observing God in big, big moments. Here we're going to find a story where Jacob, after building an altar to God, when God met him, we're going to find out how he, he, uh, he tells the story. So here it is for us. Genesis chapter 35 says, So Jacob said to his household, Let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make an altar there to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, and there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. This altar was a constant reminder of how God came into Jacob's life, and we can use altars or key markers, if you will, in our lives to do the same kind of thing. A journal of life events and answered prayers can act as a powerful reminder of just how God stepped in to save you from a horrible situation. These journal entries, now whether you keep them on paper, on your phone, computer, maybe on a blog, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, whatever, they can be pulled back and reviewed when you're facing yet again another tough, sticky life circumstance. And friends, I got to say, the truth is that those moments, even if you aren't experiencing them right now, are just around the corner. Jesus himself identifies this for us when he said in the middle of John 16, in this world, 
you will have trouble. The troubles are inevitable for us. But when we observe the truths Jesus points us to, when we recall the moments he showed up in a powerful way, the rest of this verse shows us we can have hope again. Let's read the whole verse now together. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Yes, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, with an exclamation point, take heart, I have overcome the world when we are reminded of the, source of the source of our faith and how he has overcome, then we're strengthened in our faith and our hope begins to shine again that our tough situation, that tough stuff will be taking care of us on this side of eternity or the next. Now, if you're struggling to recall these events, maybe you just don't think that your story's significant enough, that your struggle wasn't as dramatic as maybe some that you've heard before and, and all these different testimonies. And I wanna say, and I wanna encourage you to observe the testimonies of lives of people around you people in the congregation. Um, maybe check out YouTube newsletters. I mean, you know, we have newsletters from our missionaries that go out. I'd encourage you to look at those things. Find a story that resonates with you in your time. These can be places of great comfort for us, and you can use them, even though it's not your own story, to rekindle your faith and restore your hope. I remember back in uh, 2004 when I was suffering through a period of depression, um, I actually would watch a video from a Promise Keepers meeting in San Jose, uh, by a gentleman named, uh, by a gentleman named uh, Joe White. And he gave this message, and I watched it over and over and over again. And I was looking for something that resonated with my current situation, and it was so powerful. I still recall it to this day and find great hope and courage in listening to that message because I know as a result of that, it's a better tomorrow. Now, as we're journeying a little bit deeper in our quest of restoring our hope, we must understand this critical point. We have got to persevere, and that's our P, P for persevering. We must endure the trials and storms life brings us. Perseverance was a major part of the early church, especially as they faced persecution on all sides. Paul describes his perseverance for us in this way, when he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. See, the result of learning to persevere our trials is this restoration of hope that is brought about by a stronger character all because of the love our Savior has for us. And Paul certainly was a man who understood persevering through troubling times. He was imprisoned on multiple occasions as we read in the Scriptures. He was bitten by a poisonous snake and didn't die. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was almost drowned in a shipwreck. And ultimately, he was executed for his witness to Jesus. Now, I'm certain most of us have not experienced anywhere near the troubles Paul faced in his life. But I got to say, we have our own trials that we are truly trying to navigate through. So what area in your life today do you need to persevere in? So whatever it is, if Paul can do it, so can we. So how do we do it? Does anybody remember the late 80s, early 90s sitcom, The Wonder Years? Yeah, Kevin, that was my boy. I loved him. There's a theme song that starts that series by Joe Cocker, and it gives us a little clue to helping us figure out how we can, how we can persevere. I'm not going to sing it because that would be embarrassing, but nonetheless, here are the, here's the first line of the chorus. Oh, baby, I get by. And it says the background vocal, ah, with a little help from my friends. That's right. See, one key to persevering in our trials 
is to seek the encouragement, prayers, biblical wisdom, and company of friends. And Paul did just this. Check this out, how he writes to Timothy. Do your best to come quickly, he tells Timothy, because only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. See, Paul understood that friends could be a great aid to him. Then you and I know the comfort of friends in our time of distress. Okay, quick plug, real quick. Can I suggest an awesome way to do this? We here at Central believe in this. Get in a life group. Yeah, groups are really meant to help you grow together. And we have many, many options to get engaged here at Central, even some that are still, I think, meeting virtually. Okay, let's jump back into it, though. Good family and friends will always walk with you. A great friend will point you towards God's word. And if they're wise, a great friend will point you to these few scriptures I want to mention for you now about perseverance. You ready for this? Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him, says the book of James. Second one. Now it is God who makes us both, God who makes both us and you stand firm or persevere in Christ. Let's check out what the author of Hebrews says. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, persevere to the very end in order to make your hope sure. Luke writes, by standing firm, persevering, by standing firm, you will gain life. And lastly, Paul writes in Colossians, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, perseverance, and joyful giving thanks to the Father. Your friends, they can also help you regain your footing in your prayer life too. Communicating with God during your trials can be difficult, particularly if you're pointing the finger at God. Do you think he's the reason why these things are happening in your life? If this is happening, those friends and family around you, they're there to support you. They're there to walk you through this time of questioning. Ultimately, when you brought your request to God, he will begin to work with you to overcome your issues. And he's gonna help restore you to the hope that you had. The key is, of course, you gotta stick with it. And friends and family are the ones to help keep us on track. Yes, persevere, my friends. Please persevere. I know God is never late. He's coming on his time in accordance with his will for you. And even though we may desire to be bailed out a lot sooner, I urge you to be patient and wait on God. His reply is never wrong and his timing is never late. Lastly, because this is so hard to do, your friends can help you reframe your difficulties. When we're faced with life crises, we have this tendency to over-exaggerate a situation and make the outcome so much more dire than it should be expected. This can really be a drain to your outlook and it'll affect your ability to see the matter uh, as, being, as being a possibility, the end of the matter. We all have faced this sort of situation, no doubt about it, whether it was the end of the month and bills were due and you didn't know if you had enough to pay them. So maybe you thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose my home. It's only the first month, calm down, right? You'll be, things will be okay. You might have a loved one who just uh, went to the hospital and now we're planning their funeral all of a sudden. It's a little quick to jump, Right? 
I've all had a bad sales month. I've been there before. And then you start playing out the scenario of going home and telling your spouse, like, you know, we're not going to have enough for the kids and the kids, they're not going to be able to go to college and I'm going to lose my job. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to move out of the area and I don't even know if we're going to have enough money for food. And I mean, all these different things just keep going and going and going. And you're like, man, I, I don't know why this thing is getting out of control. And this panic can set in as a result of all this because you've got this catastrophic thinking going on. What you need to do, what we must do in these circumstances, if we can't do it on our own, we've got to enlist our friends to do it with us, is we've got to slow down and take time to properly evaluate things. Sarah always tells me, my wife, especially in the middle of the night when I wake up with a racing thought, get a piece of paper and write it down. And it does help. It gets the thought out of my head and on paper, and it doesn't seem quite as dramatic. So I've got to say, write out the issue that you're experiencing first, the potential implications of what it may be when it plays out and the options to solve the problem. And then prayerfully, with your friends around, consider the solutions and work through it. If you don't take this time, you're not going to be able to persevere the circumstances that are leaving you in this not-so-pleasant place of hopelessness. And finally, we've come to E, and that's for expecting. Do you live with a sense of expectation? Do you truly believe your life circumstances can change for the better? Moreover, do you believe God can affect change in your life? As Christians, we are to wait expectantly for the return of Jesus Christ, just like a mother waits for the day of birth for her newborn baby. This type of anticipation is also the same type of attitude and outlook we need to take in regards to overcoming hopelessness in our lives. Now, how many of you people this morning really want to change a particular tough situation in your life. I mean, I do, right? I mean, who, who wants to stay in a tough struggle? It's not really fun. Now, let me ask, how many of you desire that your life is more free of stress and anger and, and sin and so on and so forth? How many, of you, how, how many of you desire that? I'm going to shock you here but a little bit, but this is actually an interesting finding. Did you know that if all you have is the desire to change, you're going to end up in a worse state of mind than if you didn't have the desire at all. You're going to continue the same results or bad habits. It's left you with failure after failure. Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz, he's, a UCLA, uh, he's at UCLA School of Medicine. He's a psychologist. He did a study on what causes a person to change, particularly those with OCD. And what Schwartz discovered, um, and I want to kind of summarize, you, f- summarize for you in the following, is basically here's what he discovered. He said, if you desire to change, whether your marriage, whether your weight, and so on, and that's all you have is the desire to change, then you will never change. The desire will frustrate you that you haven't changed because all you have is the desire to change, and this is worse than not having the desire at all because the desire to change never changes people. But here's the key takeaway from Schwartz's study. People change when they actually expect to change. You won't lose weight if you desire to. You'll lose weight if you actually expect to. Expectations to change produce change. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? This is something we can apply to our lives when we feel hopeless. We must expect that things will change. Really expect it, that God will show up in a tangible way. I remember as I struggled through my unemployment last year, one of the constant things was on my mind was this expectation that my suffering was only temporary. I didn't know if temporary meant a week, if it meant a month, three years. I didn't know what 
or how long that was going to be. What I did know and what I expected was things would get better, and guess what? They actually did. You know, when I called on God to deliver me, to provide for my family, when I expected him to do as he had promised, because after all, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I had great confidence and expectation that he was going to move. God is the best source of hope in our lives, and we can expect him to show up when we need him. I'm reminded of these comforting scriptures with regards to expectations of God's promise being fulfilled in us. Here's a couple. Soak yourself Soak yourself, isn't it interesting? Soak yourself in the fear of God. That's where your future lies. Then you won't be left with an armload of nothing. (laughs) I love the way the message paraphrases things for us. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And lastly, For I fully expect and hope, there's the expect and hope, that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Whether I live or die. Friends, I gotta say on that last point, it may not be the case. It may not be the case that you're going to be cured on this side of eternity. But the promise is, as we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that on the other side of this life, there's a promise of hope forever with Jesus Christ. Even if we should not, as Paul said, whether we live or die, we can have hope and expect that we'll be with Christ. The disease of hopelessness that could truly stagnate our lives, that can cause us to withdraw from family and friends, work and recreation, and life in general. And again, as J.P. Moreland said earlier, hopelessness is leukemia of the spirit. But fortunately for us, we don't have to live with hopelessness. Taking the time this morning to lay out for you uh, these, these practical ways to restoring hope in our lives. Remember, it's important, first, that we are mindful of what truths we're hearing because those truths can dramatically impact our outlook and hope. Two, we need to recall or observe the events in the past where God stepped in to save us. And we should listen to others who have experienced the same power too as well. Thirdly, we've got to fight on or persevere, right? We've got to persevere through life circumstances. And our best way to do this is with the help of friends who are aiding us in praying for us in helping us read our Bibles and reframing our difficulties. And of course, lastly, expecting. We need to expect change in our lives. This is the key to actually changing our circumstances. And let me say this. There appears to be one point of connection, I think, between all of these things, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ. If you take no other point away from this morning, I want you to take this one thing. Faith in Jesus Christ is the driving force to restoring and keeping our hope alive. I think I gotta say it again. You ready? Faith in Jesus Christ is the driving force to restoring and keeping our hope alive. I'm not saying this is some sort of prosperity gospel that if you have enough faith, you're gonna be given everything in life. It'll be one sweet party of this life, right? It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is though, even if your mom doesn't beat your cancer, even if you never quite find that job that you've been looking for to help all your financial problems go away, 
even if you never fully restore your relationship with your son or daughter, you can have hope that when you take your last breath, you will see Jesus standing there welcoming you home. It's of this fact that you can have faith and hope. And I want to ask you watching this morning if you believe that. Are there any of you out there this morning that, that you haven't come to trust that? That you haven't come to place your trust and hope in Jesus as your Savior? If you've never done that, if you've never put your trust and hope in him to, to, to accept his gift of cleansing the sin from your life, his free and loving gift that he bore for each one of us on the cross, but you want to know what that hope is like, you want to know what faith is all about, you're curious if Jesus can really change your heart and your eternal destiny, and you want Jesus to come into your heart, here's what I want to say to you, because he's really the only true solution to our problem of sin, then, then if you were wherever you are right now, if you just bow your head, and you close your eyes. I just ask that if you're in that place right now, you would join me as I pray for you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And brothers and sisters, if you're around and watching um, and you have made that choice, what I would ask you as I'm praying, if you would just pray for those around the globe accepting um, Jesus Christ for the first time right now. So let's pray. Uh, here's what I want you to follow me in prayer. Father, I didn't know you before this moment, but I want to know your son, Jesus. I've fallen in so many ways I can't even number them. But I believe in this moment that you can and you will take away all of that sin burden from my life. And you will save me. You will welcome me into your kingdom. I choose to follow you this day and for the rest of my life, confident that knowing that when, the, when my last breath is taken, that I will see you there with open arms, welcome me into the kingdom of heaven. I forgive you, I forgive my sins, Lord God. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, hey, if that was you, would you do me a favor this week? Would you, would you shoot us a message at Central? Uh, would you find us on Instagram or something and let us know what's going on? Um, and also, would you tell somebody around you, it's so important you get, you get locked into some great network of friends who can help you um, continue your, your path in following Jesus for the rest of your life. So that's awesome. Well, I'm so excited, again, just to have been able to share this message of hope with each one of you. And I pray that it had a tangible effect on you. So my hope and prayer is that you have an amazing week and you go forward with this renewed faith so your hope can shine bright. God bless.